who has little to no dating experience. I mean, perhaps you've had a few dates, but you've mostly been in long-term relationships, or maybe you haven't even dated at all. So the whole thing just feels daunting. Where do you start? You know, I work with a lot of relationship-oriented people or ones with very little dating experience. And it's pretty much the same, right? Because dating is different than being in a relationship. And the biggest mistake I see is that they date like a relationship person. Now you're probably asking, well, what the heck does that mean? I mean, what is wrong with being a relationship-minded person and wanting that? But being someone who is good at and enjoys relationships, that's not the problem. That's not what we're talking about here. The problem has to do with pacing and chemistry. And when you do that, that's when you attract the right one and break patterns for yourself as well. And there are surprising mistakes, believe it or not, relationship-oriented people make when they try and go out there and date. So I want to go over a couple of them. And as you're listening to this, I want you to check off the boxes as I go and if this is you, okay? The first mistake is that you might get too serious. And what I mean by that is there's not enough lightness in the conversation as you're going out there. There's definitely no flirting going on and there is almost like a lack of fun. So everything kind of just feels heavy. And in the end, there usually is this kind of lack of chemistry, either from one party or both. The other mistake is that you are usually way more comfortable asking deep, thoughtful questions and getting to like almost the juicy part without enough lightness. So it kind of relates to the first one, but it has to do with the depth. So it's almost too much, too soon, too fast. You're almost also giving too much away of yourself so that there's not enough, you know, pacing with it. The other mistake is that you don't share enough about yourself because you may be so busy interviewing for the boyfriend or girlfriend position. (laughs) It's like you are literally sitting in on an interview. And so guess what happens? The connection completely gets lost because you're just checking off the boxes. Another mistake You find socializing exhausting because you think of it as small talk. So you'd rather just skip it all and get to the deep stuff. You think that just the trivial stuff, the light stuff is um, a waste of time and exhausting. And finally, you are probably too picky. You are looking for the perfect person and you don't want to waste time on people you're not attracted to. Well, this was the case. um, I love this story that I'm about to share because it, it ends in a very happy ending. 
But the woman that I'm about to describe, when we first met, she had very little dating experience. And the guys she did date were kind of the bad boys. So she is a mix of lack of experience. And then just the experience she had was like one or two relationships. And she just hated dating by the time I got to her. She thought it was all just a big waste of time and exhausting. And she felt that the small talk was tedious and she had just about given up. And on top of it, she was extremely picky and felt like she didn't want to waste time on guys she didn't like. But she didn't have enough experience to be picky. And I told her that to her face. And the reason why she felt like it was all exhausting is because she put all of her energy qualifying men other than connecting. I want to say that again. This is really important for what we're going to talk about today. Too much energy qualifying men rather than connecting. And so I told her, like I tell many of my clients or prospective ones, you are dating like you're in a PhD program, but you are in grammar school right now. You need to study before you can graduate to be a PhD. Once you have more experience of dating and learning what you like, what men are like, how to flirt, how to dress, feel sexy, have fun without attachment, that's when you're ready for the PhD program. But really in the end, and this is what I told her, she needed to date herself. She needed to date herself so that she could make a smart decision who was right for her. And so she did. She did her homework and she was very diligent about it. She kind of fought me along the way, to be honest, <laughs> kicking and screaming. But, but I am happy to say that it, it paid off and she did graduate and she has an awesome long-term boyfriend she's been seeing for almost a year now. And now she hired me to keep things going. So the, here's the truth, is that there is a certain pacing and experience that needs to occur in order to attract the right relationship. And when you try to get to the boyfriend or the girlfriend too fast, not only is it exhausting, but it can attract lopsided relationships. You know, you can re-enter the same patterns that maybe you're trying to break or worse yet, fall into the friend zone if you're not pacing it right because there's this lack of chemistry that happens if you're dating like a teacher or a therapist like I used to. You guys know that story. So how do we stop this dynamic and have fun dating? Well, with me on the line today is someone who is struggling with exactly this dynamic, and I hope I can help her and you, of course, with it. So I want to welcome Louise. Louise, are you there? I am. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I was just listening to that story. I'm like, oh, Ed, it's so me all the time. Is it? Oh, my God. Okay. So good. That means we're on the right track here. And I want to, like, help you crack this code. So, well, maybe just to start out, tell everyone, like, you know, who you are and what you've been dealing with when, it, you know, I think you're new on the dating scene, aren't you? Yeah. So kind of a dorky kid. I didn't date anyone till I was 19. And then I met my, what would be my husband when I was about 20. And then I was talking with Kim and we, we talked about it at one point. I've only been single 10 months since I was 20 years old. So not very much time on my own at all. Right. And what, and what happened after I ended my marriage, I spent about maybe eight months on my own. And then I got into another relationship really quickly. And it went pretty serious, pretty fast, and then realistically got to know the real person. And then, of course, it fizzled out. 
Well, first off, I want to congratulate you for doing what I call the rites of passage. You had your transitional romance and you got <laughs> over with. So congratulations. Yay. <laughs> got that over and done with. Good. And you got it done with. I know it's funny because sometimes I'll talk to people and they haven't had that tornado transition or whatever it was for you. And I'm like, oh, you're not ready yet. <laughs> so I'll just like, I'll send people back to just have that until they're oh. ready. Yeah. Until they're ready. So I, it's actually a good thing. And I'll tell you why. And then we'll kind of dive in where you are now is that it, it, I feel like it's a way of helping people get their mojo back and their confidence back. And I don't know if that was that the case for you? Like, did it at least help you almost, you know, kind of get back to you a little bit? Oh yeah. Like there was great yeah. times. It was really romantic. It was nice to be charmed and swept off my feet. Totally. Um, there. And like you said, uh, that's a good thing. It's, it's kind of a cliche, but you get it done and then back to reality. I don't know. It was, <laughs> that makes me feel better that it was going to happen anyway. <laughs> so now I've done it already. So good. It does. Yes. It, and, and, everybody has one. I had one. I even talked to, I did a whole podcast on it actually. And it's good because, um, and maybe then now you can share where you're at right now, because I think just having that like dynamic where you were receiving, that was, that's really powerful to just, like you said, feel charmed and cared for even wine and dine, you know, somebody to buy you a nice dinner. It makes a difference when, you know, you've been kind of struggling in your previous relationship and maybe like, you know, either caretaking too much or not receiving anything at all. Yeah. So, so I think the positive part after talking to you a little bit, cause we have a little bit of history from some coaching is the idea that it's okay to be single and mm -hmm. to have fun with it and really change. Cause I think I was definitely an overthinker. Like you have your checklists and you look at everybody and you're like, hmm, could I deal with this for 20 years? Which isn't very healthy when you're just getting to know someone, right? Right, right. So you were thinking too long term. I know yeah. that's when you and I were talking. Yeah. yeah. So so where now? And what are you struggling with? Um, it's just so different. I think that's the big thing is I feel a little anxiety coming up because it's so different. And then guidance, because before you had a goal and you were like, you know, screening and looking at everything because you want to land in a certain place. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I'm trying to think about, well, now what am I doing? I'm, I'm trying to date for fun, right? Cause I want to stay single. So mm -hmm. it's dating eating or a social life. I think we called it like, it's can be a little different and I'm still trying to figure out like, okay, well, who am I actually attracted to? What do I want to do in my spare time and not make it about a relationship, right? Like it's about what kind of fun I want to have. Right. And to get to know people and to be way more relaxed about it. Mm, so what's coming up for you? What's been hard about just dating for fun? Um, getting through first dates, I find them really boring. I find online really boring and first dates really boring. Um, I'm trying to mix it up so it's not such an interview. Like I'm, and it's getting better because people respond to a conversation, right? So if you're not interviewing and grilling them, mm -hmm. they, they, they start to join you where you are. Huh? So, okay. Um, so, so it's boring. And, and part yeah. of it is because of the conversation. Yeah, or it was like, mm -hmm. I think I switched, like I switched in the last couple of weeks and it's getting better. Definitely way better. 
Great. Um, Great. Okay. So that's one thing that boring and you're working on that. What, what else is hard? Um, I guess letting go of attachments or outcomes, like, you know, just having experiences for the experience sake. And then even knowing when you should let someone go. Like I, old patterns, I was dating someone for about a month uh, because I only started working with you a couple of weeks ago, I think. Mm -hmm. And it had started when I was in more relationship mode and they're so nice and they're good on paper. And I think the old me would have kept dating them. But Mm -hmm. now I was looking at it and I was like, well, you know, I'm not really feeling the attraction or the connection and they're so serious and they're not really joining me um, and keeping it lighthearted. So, you know, what are my needs right now? And I was like, and I finally moved on, which was, I think was good. Cause I think I tend to linger in things, even if they aren't right a little too long. Ah, okay. That's what I was going to ask you. Cause I don't know much about your history. I mean, you worked um, with me in a different capacity. You did the flirt challenge, which I so love that you were a part of that. Um, what, had been some of your patterns before with relationships that you're trying to break? Um, I think a couple, like I don't have enough experience to have real patterns. Like when you only have two Mm. experiences, but I think lopsided relationships is one Mm. or a little then like caretaking, right? Like where you feel bad for someone, there's a little pity involved Mm. and that's not really, healthy for relationships right and then because they have their excuses or their conditions or whatever you don't hold them accountable for meeting your needs ah got it are does this leak out in other areas of your life like with friendships do you tend to like give a lot and not get a lot in return definitely in the past but big yeah. part of my history is about four years ago I started working with a career counselor because I was like really stressed at work and we started working about like boundaries and responsibility and some of the codependent stuff at work and it definitely came home and then my relationship Mm. ended right because they liked the old system they liked being taken care of all the time absolutely and and as I changed the relationship just couldn't come with me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's a good thing that's actually you're starting to really kind of take care of yourself and your needs but it's hard I mean you know when you're used to being a caretaker and putting so much focus on other people it's hard to flip it around Mm -hmm. you know and really I mean do you at times feel like it's selfish a little bit like you know like Like mm -hmm. I feel judgmental and selfish um, mm. lots of shoulds, right? Um, like you should do something or you have to be flexible. I think lo- learning to say no and set boundaries at work was a good start. Mm-hmm. And then it came to, you know, my family. And then the next step now is like personal relationships, right? Yeah. What, where's that? I mean, where's this coming from? Like, kind of, I, I almost like hear guilt around that. Well, my mom was sick a lot when we were kids, so some of the caretaking was because the primary parent or whatever just wasn't super capable. Oh, so you had to step up and be almost like the parent at a young age a little bit to take care of your your mom? Yeah, Mm. yeah, and I have lots of younger siblings, so 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense too. I mean, you know, and you, I, we talk about this all the time, kind of like your ascribed roles often when you grow up, it's just something that you end up being really good at too later on. It's just like your default button. Like, oh, I know how to do that. You know, I know how to focus on other people, but it, you know, when you unfortunately are in that situation and that must have been so hard. I mean, on top of the fact of being put in that position, also going through the emotional turmoil you must have been going through just having mom being sick too, huh? Yeah, because um really up and down, right? Had good days. I, I think, yeah, like had great days and then we get spoiled, like go to the movies, blah, blah, blah. And then mm-hmm. the other days they just couldn't get out of bed and stuff. So it's kind of that cycle too, right? Like the intermediate reward system. Yes. Intermittent reinforcement, I call it. And that's, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, and well, actually that's a great thing that you just said in terms of connecting the dots and in how it's showing up maybe with dating too, is that, you know, it's almost like looking for signs and the good in people. And maybe that's why it's hard for you to let go at times because maybe a guy will give you something Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, well, that's nice. (laughs) Even though like 80% of it's not so nice, you're used to that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. If there is anything good, you hold on for that for a long time, right? Exactly. Yeah. But you know what? That is an old tape, right? Like that's just something that was kind of instilled in you given your circumstance growing up. And I want to help you almost like reprogram that so that that doesn't show up in the way that you're dating because, and this, this has come up many times when I'm doing these live coaching calls is that, you know, I want you to have the cake, not just the crumbs. And it sounds like you've been, yeah, like you've been munching on the crumbs and being like, well, this tastes good. This is, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll have this. <laughs> yeah, I'll get the frosting like in another place. That's fine. No, uh-uh-uh-uh. I want you to sit down and really like work on connecting and getting to know a guy so that you feel like you have the entire cake in front of you. And it may take some time, but not just to take anything that has the crumbs and try to make it work into this long-term thing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So how do you do that, right? That's probably what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> That's great, Kim. Now what? <laughs> well, but I thought it was important to just kind of connect the dots a little bit on where it comes from so that, you know, moving forward, you don't like default to that, you know, just knowing that that, because you, I think guilt is going to keep coming up for you. That's just you know, something inherent until you start getting used to you being treated well. But it does start from you and demanding more for yourself. So let's kind of take these like three things that you said, and maybe we can come up with an action plan around it. You know, the first thing you said is that it's just boring to you, right? (laughs) Like, so do you find like within this, and you said it's getting better, but do you find that it's boring because of the conversation he's giving you or you're giving him or both? Like, what's your assessment about that? I think it's probably both, right? Because people feed off of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I find the online stuff the most boring and then it's annoying when a conversation drops dead and then it doesn't go anywhere. 
mm-hmm. and you know, the transition from actually talking back and forth to meeting and, and stuff in person's always much better for me for the most part yes um, it's the I really want like have some goals like I'd love to start meeting people offline mm, okay like I think that would be more fun I I don't I'm trying to figure out how I would make online fun. I think doing a lot less of it, like I don't spend so much time doing it and I'm going to try and make an effort to be more fun myself. Cause I think for a while I was using canned responses, like a canned opener. It's like the same opener for everyone. And I'm like, well, that's not really fair or that interesting. So I'm starting wrong. Exactly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was always like, you know, if you're bored, it usually is stemming from you, you know? And here's the thing, like I, when I was dating up a storm, I remember going on some really boring dates and I would go, and this is something that you can do too. I remember just going in and be like, you know what, no matter what happens, I'm going to give myself the best date ever, you know, like almost like make yourself have fun with yourself. Okay. That's a good approach. Cause you're not relying on anyone else. That's right. That's right. And you have been dating in a more reactive way rather than a proactive way. And this is a perfect example of how you can be more proactive in terms of, you know, kind of showing up with yourself and being like, Hey, I'm queen B and I have all these like fun things about me and stories that I'm going to tell. And I'm going to have a darn good time with myself, you know, and and if he wants to come along for the ride, great, but he's there to supplement it, not for you to rely on it, which is a different mindset. It is definitely different. You know, and so what that might look like is, you know, instead of sitting down at a date or even like you mentioned, out and about, like at the grocery store, or maybe you're at a meetup or something where you're doing more offline, you know, enter a conversation with a story rather than a question like, oh, so do you come here often? Or so how long have you been married for? Oh my God. Like I'm bored even like listening (laughs) to myself with those questions, right? Yeah. So, you know, storytelling is, is a great thing. And it's one of the things that I practice with my clients all the time, but you can even do that, you know, on your own. Um, another really good thing that will help you that I always tell everybody to do that is take an improv class. Have you ever done that? No. One of my friends told me, oh my gosh, they did a hard one. Improv singing. Yes. It'll get you out of your head and out of like this boring state that you're in and learn how to be more playful. Because at the end of the day, that's what attracts people to people. I mean, think about guys who are really charismatic and dynamic and playful. Like, aren't you attracted to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, we all are like as humans, I think it's that kind of, um, childlike state that everybody finds so charming. And so I would really recommend a mindset shift, taking an improv class, and then, yeah, starting conversations with stories in addition to, yes, doing way more offline interactions so that everything doesn't seem so like rote and dry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've noticed since I made this shift, it's funny that I'm actually feel like I'm dating less, but I'm socializing more. So I think my priorities is I do what's fun and I do what I want to do. And then ironically, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm doing less dating, but like connecting with people, making lots of friends. 
I love it. I love it. And Louise, that's exactly where you should be at, which leads me to the number two, because the second thing is how, how do you kind of let go of that feeling of attachment, you know, uh, with being so outcome oriented. And I think it really stems from what you just said. It's learning how to just connect with male energy and having fun without being so result oriented about it. You know, like there's no, I don't want you even like thinking ahead of it. Just really stay present with who you're connecting and work on the two C words, connecting and being curious. Yeah, that's a good one. Because um, when someone says something in a conversation and you follow up on it, there's always um, like you're curious, right? Like, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Exactly. And like, the conversation keeps going instead of being like, you know, lulled. And then you go to interesting places, right? Because you're not talking about the same thing all the time. That's right. That's right. And it's actually part of my social engagement formula that I teach people. It's like, you know, when you come from a place of curiosity, again, much like kids do, the world becomes so much more um, open and actually fun. Like it'll instill more fun into your interactions because if you're just curious about things, even if you go in on every date or every social interaction saying to yourself, okay, I'm going to learn one thing about something tonight and just make it a game for yourself. Maybe it's a new restaurant. Maybe it has nothing to do with a guy. And Mm -hmm. then you go to that restaurant and you end up meeting your guy. It's all about like, you know, the connections and the networking that you make within that little connection. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Good. So that's, that's the second part. Um, the third part is when to let go and mm-hmm. that you, you tend to stay in too long. I have a feeling this has a lot of deeper stuff attached to it. You know, I think, and, and I don't know, feel what this is like when I say this, but if mom was sick a lot, it probably, you know, on some level, you had to really hang in there with her, even when things got tough, right? And so this feeling of you don't want to abandon people, you know, you don't want to like let go of that because you want to hang in there. Definitely. <laughs> what does that feel like when I say that? Well, yeah, like my marriage, it took like I say four years to break up. Mm. Um because the first time I brought it up, like there was a lot of begging to stay and like, we need to work on this. And yeah, like I didn't want to abandon that person. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that it's almost, it's almost the opposite than what you're thinking is that when you hang on to things too long, you're actually doing a bigger disservice, not only to yourself, but to the other person. Because you're a caretaker, you're going to hear this more. You're actually hurting that person more by hanging on than letting them go earlier. That's true. Like, the time, you know, like, it would have been a cleaner break, an easier break, right? Like, all the stuff that happened after stating I wanted to leave was not, it was pretty messy. Yeah. Do you, do you tend to avoid conflict? Like, is that hard for you? Um, you know what I noticed a couple times, like I've attracted passive aggressive partners. So I think Uh, maybe there's 
something about not wanting the conflict to be too loud that I prefer it, you know, like not really <laughs> in theory, but like on a subconscious level, maybe you prefer the conflict is not out in the open if you're picking mm-hmm. people that are passive aggressive, right? Because the delivery seems a little gentler than yelling or anything, right? Oh, that's an interesting distinction, actually. I haven't heard someone describe it that way, but yeah, that, that totally makes sense. So it's, it's, it's the loud part of the conflict that you're avoiding. And so that it's easier to just, it's almost like you're making, like, you're kind of making peace and just Mm -hmm. like letting things be nice so that things don't explode. Yeah. In your mind. In my mind. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with it is that you're creating a volcano. Yeah. And the explosion becomes bigger. Because you don't have a little venting out of something. That's right. That's right. And it's just building and building and building. That's what passive aggression does. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, without going into that so much, but just realizing that about yourself, what that looks like and how that shows up on dates is I want you to say that to yourself, you know, like I'm going to be hurting this guy more Mm -hmm. by continuing on and that volcano is going to happen later on. And I'm going to be resentful that I'm in it. Yeah. If I stay in it. So it's better to let go. And that you're doing things to take care of you for a change. It's not about him. Look, I've never ever worked and I've worked with a lot of people. I've never had a guy go to the psychiatric unit because a girl said no. I mean, it might hurt a little, but do you know what I mean? Like it's not as big in your head as it is in reality. And you're doing him a service. Actually, you're letting him find somebody for him and you're letting yourself find somebody who's better for you. Yeah, that makes sense. Intellectually, it makes sense. (laughs) It may take a while to feel it. And all these things that I said, that's why, you know, it it takes practice. And that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, that's exactly why I told you, I want you just socializing and dating without getting attached to relationship because of that, right? Like if you go right to the relationship again, you're not going to learn how to practice this thing. Like how cool is it for you to be able to practice dating and saying no to a bunch of guys? Like that's good practice for you. (laughs) And right, it'll get easier. I know it feels like you have like a bunch of guinea pigs, but look, this is all, we're we're all, everybody's doing that. That's what dating's about. It's, you know, think of it this way. You're, You're trying on a lot of different dresses and seeing what fits. It's just, you're going shopping. That's all you're doing is shopping right now. I don't want you buying the first dress you see. You may end up with the first dress, but you'll feel way better about it investing in that dress if you've tried a bunch of other ones on, correct? (laughs) Yeah, and it's a choice, right? It's not like you need this person. They're the only person available or like, you know, um, what is it? The abundance theory versus scarcity and that's right. Talk about. That's right. That's right. Oh, you must listen to my podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You're, you're so right. Um, but I so think. Did, mm-hmm. So what did we say about the good problem to have? What happens if I meet someone I actually want a relationship with? Like you just keep going and slowly get to know them. Yes. And can I tell you, I can't, I'd say about 80% of my clients who date in this way with me coaching them on the side, 
everyone ends up in a boyfriend to, to your point. And then they, okay. they almost feel guilty. There's this one um, client that I have, actually, I talked to last week. She's almost feeling guilty that she found this guy right away because <laughs> I created a monster. She's, she's liking being single so much. She's like, Kim, for the first time, like I'm loving being single and like, I'm feeling so sexy and everything. And now, oh my God, I, I found this great guy. Now what? <laughs> yeah. It's a great like you problem. Said, like and wait. That's a good problem to have. Totally. Totally. And it, it is almost, um, a little bit of reverse engineering in, in the way that you know, you think about it, it's when you let go is when things happen too, Mm -hmm. a little bit. And so it's, it's not like, I would say woo woo that that happens. I think energetically when you're more relaxed and you just work on connection, it it's just magical. It's absolutely magical. And if, and when that happens to you, like early on, if that, that is a great problem to have. And it's still about pacing and keeping the chemistry going. Those two things. It's like what I set up the, the um, call originally about is that if you let those things go and you get sucked into the relationship too soon and you don't like pace it out and make him earn you more, mm. you're, you're going to miss an opportunity to see, you know, just what kind of guy he is. If he's a good guy, he will wait till the cows come home. If he really is into you, he will wait forever. And that's a good guy. You want that. So either way it works because the guys will wait and, and, you know, same, it it works in reverse, you know, when, when a guy is having a woman earn him, you know, like it, it, we don't in life, we want that. We want to like earn each other and it makes it much more like connected and the quality and the respect, it all goes up with that. Yeah. And I think like it's the learning curve, right? Because my last relationship was pretty good until I got pretty serious. And then I stopped, like, I just, you know, I, you know, sacrificing some sleep or my alone time. And there was like kind of this drift and it, it's not like he, f- so it's just old habits kicked in. Right. So. Well, yeah. And I just find that people get lazy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like once, once you get each other and this, this is what happens with a lot of couples and almost every couple falls into this, you just get lazy with each other and you forget. And so it's always good to have, you know, keep them on their toes a little bit and don't give up for God's sakes. Do not give up your workout routine, your nutrition, um, your friend circle. That's another thing that a lot of times people just forget about their friends you know, and they just spend all their time with their guy. And then that's not good either. So what we're talking about is balance. That's how you can pace things out is keeping, you know, the things that are important to you going and having your girlfriend time and your self-care time. And then you have his time too. When you have that more balanced thing going on, it feels good for everybody all the way around. Definitely. Yeah. Well, any last thoughts? Like what are, what are some of your feelings right now about all of this? Does this help? Yeah, it helps. It's interesting. Like it's very different. And then I might, might stop talking about it with some of my friends cause they just don't understand. And I don't really want like, their fears and you know, they're like, well, aren't you worried about this? And aren't you worried about this? Or, you know, I, I think I'm going to talk about it less with my friends just cause they don't really understand. Your friends are married, right? Are coupled off? Yeah, they're all coupled off. That's right the now. problem. That's the problem. <laughs> 
as nice as you married folks are, I love you to pieces. You just don't get it. I mean, here's the thing. They're not in your world. And so they're, guess what? They're relationship oriented. So of course they're going to think that this is all strange. They're thinking that it's time to get a boyfriend for you. But you know, I always tell people in this stage, it's really good to get selfish. It's good to pull in and think about what's good for you, not what's good for other people. And also, I really think it would help you. I'm glad you brought the friend thing up. It, it's crucial that you should make a goal for yourself to get more single gals in your life. It'll yeah. make a huge difference. I'm you working on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, with all these offline opportunities that you're going to possibly get into, look for single women out about just like you're looking for men. That's why I'm saying just being social and getting more single people around you is going to really help and it'll feed that energy that you need. Yeah, it was funny because I kind of built a circle last year, but then they all got boyfriends. So. Ah, okay. So time for a new cycle yeah. and circle. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. It's what, you know, meeting where you're at and it'll, it'll keep that energy flowing and going. So Anyway, well, Louise, it was so good having you on and I, I wish you the best of luck and hopefully you'll come back on in another episode of Where Are They Now and say, I met my guy. It would be awesome. <laughs> so thank you. This has been the Charisma Quotient and I'm your host, of course, Kim Seltzer. Remember, you can build confidence, make connections and find love from the outside in. And I have a special announcement. If you're looking to vamp up your flirting skills and feel more confident dating, then I actually have two opportunities coming up. I'm doing another 14-day flirt and femininity challenge like Louise just did that will really kind of kickstart all of this into gear. And that starts... August 6th. So there's still slots. Make sure that you check it out. And I will put the link in the show description. It will definitely help you attract men and learn the hidden secrets to feminine charisma, how to communicate and embody a sexy confidence with your body language and create a dating wardrobe, all of it. And if you are in the San Francisco area, I'm doing another Flirt Academy. Woohoo! It's an in-person flirt workshop. So if you are in that area, definitely come. I would love to meet you in person and stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day.